Welcome back to the Digital Wellness with Dr. Mary, the show where we explore the ever-evolving digital landscape and its impact on our lives. I'm Richard Tinamardi, your social producer, and I'm excited to be here once again discussing the digital wellness. Good morning, Richardson. We have a fantastic episode lined up for our listeners today, focusing on a topic that's close to my heart, and I know your heart too. Um, We're going to talk about the joy of writing and being a self-published author in the digital age. And joining us is a very special guest, a dear, dear friend of mine, and someone who knows a thing or two about branding, marketing, and the power of sharing ideas through the written word. Indeed, Dr. Mary. Our guest today is Jeremy Miller, a globally recognized best-selling author of not only one, but two incredible books, Sticky Branding and Brand New Name. Jeremy is also an award-winning founder and the president of Sticky Branding, a marketing agency that's been making waves in the industry. Jeremy's journey from crafting these insightful books to establishing a thriving marketing agency is a testament to the possibility today's digital age offers. And we're super excited to just jump right in and learn about his experiences, his insights, and how he's managed to successfully navigate this dynamic landscape. Before we introduce Jeremy, um, let's start, let's get the stage Let's set the stage up by talking about why writing and owning your intellectual property is in this digital world is more important than ever. We would love to hear from all our wonderful listeners and your wonderful voices and wonderful thoughts. So please call in or text us at 773-763-9278. Richardson, I'm glad you said the number because I know last week we forgot to say it quite as often as we should. (laughs) So this week, for sure, we will say it. But I think one of the things is I always talk about, you know, the harm digital does, but there's a lot of positives in how digital operates. And in a world where information is at our fingertips and where ideas can spread like wildfire across the internet, having a platform that allows you to share your thoughts and expertise is invaluable. And that's why we invited Jeremy today because he's the expert. He's my go-to guy. I call him all the time for advice on this. And, you know, Part of what Jeremy and I have discovered, and I hope our readers, or sorry, our readers, our listeners will discover, is it's all about the writing for the sake of writing. Not saying, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars from this book, because FYI, you probably won't. But the idea of writing, and I'm going to talk about this shortly, is an incredible way to share your story. It's about owning your own voice and making a meaningful impact. Now, my dear friend Pam, whose radio show is just before ours, is a fantastic writer. And I just found out recently that not only does she write books, but she's a poet. And she talks about this impact on her and the impact on her soul when she writes. Wow. Yeah. Not only that, we're also, to our dear, wonderful listeners, we're also going to explore how writing and self-publishing can be a source of empowerment, fulfillment, and yes, even digital wellness. So stay with us as we journey into the world of, of words, wisdom, and joy of being an author in our digital age. 
And you know what, Richardson, just to set the stage, I'm going to ask Devin, our producer, to play a short break from the Digital Wellness Center of a binaural beat. And we're only going to take about 30 seconds. But if you're driving, if you're sitting having your coffee, whatever you're doing, just listen. And what's going to happen is you're going to hear two different sounds. And the third sound will be the binaural beat that is relaxing your brain and allowing you to focus on the rest of the show. Take it away, Devin. Welcome back to the Digital Wellness with Dr. Mary. I have a few questions before we <laughs> get to, into into this, but I wanted to know specifically what is writing writing therapy and the neuroscience behind it. Writing therapy, Richardson, is something I learned about this year. It's it's been a tough year. We've had three deaths in our family this year, and I think that. One of the things that has really, really helped me is writing. And Mark, who was on our show last week, um, my therapist, introduced me to the concept of writing therapy. I'd always heard about it, um, and that caused me to do some research, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have it on this show, because writing therapy is a form of expressive therapy that involves putting your thoughts and feelings into words. From a neuroscience standpoint, it taps into several mechanisms in our brain. So not just one, but many, many mechanisms in our brain. Um, What happens is when we engage in writing, as I said earlier in our intro, for ourselves, for our soul, we activate our prefrontal cortex. And as a reminder, where that is in your brain is you can actually touch it if you touch just above Um, just at your temples, just above your eyes. And it goes back to almost your ears. And your prefrontal cortex is associated with rational thinking and decision-making. And this helps us gain clarity and insight into our emotions and into our experiences. For example, when we experience a death, it's very hard for us to see the positive side of things. We feel left behind. We feel bereft. We feel exhausted. But when we begin to write, even if it's just one or two words, whatever comes into our brain, our prefrontal cortex begins to relax. It begins to experience transient hyperfrontality, a clearing of that prefrontal lobe. And I talk about this a lot. It's it's like giving our brains a little workout. It's like running to the gym for three minutes. Um, But it's not with weights. It's with words. And... um, Richardson, does that help? Yeah, that helps. I love that. So you're saying it's like a it's like a workout for our brain, yeah. but with yeah. words. So how does this process like influence our emotional like well being? How does that work? Well, Rich, that's a fascinating question because when we write about our emotions, and you know, a lot of the times we're taught to keep our emotions in check. As a matter of fact, it's it's 
a saying in our culture, keep your emotions in check. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we write about our emotions, especially those that are causing distress, we activate the brain's limbic system. And this includes the amygdala, which is linked to emotions in the process of processing emotional memories. Through writing, we can effectively process and release these emotions, reducing their intensity and providing a sense of relief. So this morning, um, I probably sound a little different this morning because I'm on the beautiful, I'm on beautiful Lake Ontario at a little wee town called Santa Shores. I don't even know if 5,000 people live here. But I went and I wrote about one of the deaths I experienced yesterday. And I sat by the lake. And yes, it was cold. But I just wrote a few words. And I felt so much better because it helped my brain make sense. So what was happening to me is I was activating that limbic system. And my my amygdala was beginning to process what happened the day before rationally and it was finding great memories and it was finding the joy and the peace that the the person the animal that died experienced and so that really really helped me and it helped me look at it as a family it helped me look at it as an individual so that's allowing me to process and release my emotions of sadness of depression of distress but again if you don't get over these emotions if they last long it's good to experience this emotion we should experience these emotions we should cry we should feel sad we should feel lost but we shouldn't feel it very long. If you do, if you experience it for a year, if you experience it for six months, if you experience it every day and you can't stop crying, call a mental health professional. What we're doing here is just helping you regulate. But it could be something deeper, so you do need to talk to a therapist. Thank you. That's so incredible. And I I also want to say I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. you know, what you said is so um, touching and especially um, with my experience, like I am not really good with um, knowing how to regulate my experience, um, my emotions. So like, it sounds like writing therapy can be like a mental or emotional detox, which can help me like, and I I also think like our listeners can help them also unpack uh, what's been weighing all of us down through our emotional state or whatever it could be. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but are there like any other neurological benefits to this practice? There are, absolutely. Writing therapy also supports the brain's ability to form coherent narratives. And we don't do this on digital. Um, people that have been brought up in the digital age, digital natives like yourself, constantly are flicking like for a minute, a minute and a half, like your, your attention span is less than 1.4 seconds currently (laughs) right now. And you're jumping from thing to thing. And that's not healthy. Writing 
with a pen, with a paper, or even on your computer if you don't have a pen and paper handy, helps you form a coherative narrative. It allows your brain, for lack of a better word, to take a long pause, a long look at something. And this helps individuals make sense of their experience and find meaning in them. And part of the reason, Rich, that your generation, um, Gen Z, has a really hard time dealing with death, dealing with failure, is because you haven't had the experience of long-form narratives. Those have been lost on you. You know, there was a time when people watched TV for three hours. For example, Oprah Winfrey's Color Purple was a television series. We waited for every episode. And in that episode, there were teeny tiny breaks. They were called commercials. And your brain processed what was going on. You processed the long narrative that the Color Purple was providing. Um, But what happens now is we don't have that. So when you write, when you type, even on your phone, create a note, the act of writing itself can be soothing and it can trigger the release of dopamine and promote a sense of accomplishment, boosting overall sense of well-being. And that is what we really want to talk about in terms of digital wellness, how to modulate your dopamine. I love that so much. I feel like that's... Um, so precise because I'm going to relate it back to myself because uh, I know, as you said, every, like my generation, and I can definitely see that. I can see that within myself. We, I go through social media and I'm just clicking, you know, mm-hmm. so, so quick. And you, as you touched on the attention span, I, I totally agree. I, <laughs> my attention span is so small and I'm like, okay, I'm getting bored really quickly. But from what you said, I I really can resonate with that, um, how uh, writing therapy can help us process emotions. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to start doing this because this is something that I I don't usually do, um, especially when it comes to writing down emotions. I would just usually go down, like, as I said, social media, everything is all quick, bam, bam, bam. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would use to distract myself. But um, as you said, this can lead to a deeper understanding of ourselves and our experience. And um, it sounds like it's like giving our our brain a chance to like reorganize ourselves and heal through these words and what we put down. So I really love what you said and it it really resonates with me. And I hope it resonates with our, our, our audience because this is so profound and it's very important. I think it is. And and it's, it's a very valuable practice. And, and Rich, um, you and I have been chatting for quite some time. I think what, you know, we should probably do is I'm just seeing on my phone, we have a couple of texts. Um, so one of the things is, um, I love when people text us and I love when you call in, um, Rich, could you, um, give everybody the number again, just slowly and, um, and then I'll read, uh, one of the texts I just got. Um, it's quite good. Yeah. So we'd love to hear your words and your thoughts. So please call us or text us at 773-763-9278. And so here's question one. Um, I've heard about writing therapy, but I'm not sure how to start. 
just like you, Rich. Um, I agree, just like I was like nine months ago. Do you have any tips for beginners? I absolutely do. So for beginners, I recommend starting with what we call free writing. You may remember this from grade school, you know, in the first, second, third, fourth grade. We do a lot of free writing, which is just set aside some time each day, find a quiet space, and simply write whatever comes to mind. Don't worry about structure or grammar. This is just about self-expression. And it's a wonderful way to begin your therapy, your writing therapy journal. Journey. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and your journal. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, um, here's another question that I just see right now. I tend to overthink and get stuck when writing about my emotions. Any advice for overcoming writer's block in therapy writing? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> wow, <laughs> writer's block is so, so common. And um, I'm going to talk, we can easily talk to Jeremy about it. You know, he's a couple best-selling books, which is awesome. But writer's block is common, interestingly enough, when we're writing and delving into our personal emotions. It's hard enough for people to talk about loss. It's hard enough for people to talk about failure. It's hard enough for people to even admit to those feelings. And I'm encouraging people to feel those feelings. And so writer's block becomes especially difficult when you're being honest with yourself and delving into personal emotions. So one technique is to start with a prompt. Use a sentence like, today I feel, or I remember a time when. And so to, that, that helps you kickstart your writing. So you may, every single day, start your sentence with, today I feel. Or you may say, I remember a time. Or you may start with, I like it when. Whatever your prompt is, go ahead, and that cures your writing. It stops writer's block because, of course, you know what you like and what you don't like. And don't pressure yourself to write perfectly. I mean, I know when I wrote my book, I tried not to correct grammar. Um, in my first book, I spent most of my time writing, then correcting grammar, writing, correcting grammar, right? And it didn't work. Like, you don't get in the flow. Just allow yourself to write. You know what? That's so funny. I feel like that was a question that I didn't even know that I had, but you know, it's, it's been answered right there. And I love that because I usually tend to, um, I, I usually don't know how to express through writing my emotions. So that was like perfect. That, that, what you said was perfect. And I, I really like that. I'm going to actually do that too. So thank you Excellent. for for that that um mess that tax and sharing that out because that actually helped me for sure. Good. Give it a try and let us know how it goes next week. Yeah, for sure. We have one more um, question, and they okay. said, "I'm worried about writing about my <sighs> negative experience will make me feel." Sorry, let me read that again. I'm worried about writing about my negative experience will make me feel worse. How can I ensure writing therapy doesn't become too overwhelming? Huh. Oh, that's a good question. So I guess they're asking, like, if they write about their um, their negative experience, it can make them feel worse as they keep writing. I think that... You know, <laughs> you is where you have to show some self-grace. 
do like the thing that bothers me about today's society is we don't show failure. We don't show imperfections. I just read an article on why everybody wants to look like a Kardashian. We all want to look the same and be the same. And so one of the things I really encourage people to do is be gentle with yourself while you're writing about a negative experience, it can bring up difficult emotions. Writing is an opportunity to process and release these negative emotions. And it's so natural to feel this emotion. If it becomes overwhelming, just take a break, have a glass of water, go for a walk, you know, look at the sky. And then if it If it continues to happen, again, I'm going to say this, consider support from a mental health professional. Writing therapy should be a tool for healing, not a source of added stress. Um, I know that we have Jeremy coming on, and and I think he has a little bit of trouble calling in, so I'm going to just ask Devin to work on that. Oh, is he here? Awesome. Oh, Jeremy, I just got your email. So, um, Jeremy, typically we take a break right now, but first, I'm so glad you're here. I just got your email that said, oh, I can't log in. So um, one of the fun things we do is we were just reading some texts from our uh, listeners. But one of the fun things that we do is we do a quiz every single um every single show. And one of the things that we try and do is include our guests. So Jeremy, welcome to the show. We're super thrilled to have a global best-selling author. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of your company, Sticky Branding. So thank you for being here, my friend. Well, thank you, Dr. Barry, and thank you, Richardson. What a, a great start. I've been listening in and hearing the listener questions, and they're absolutely fantastic. And I'm excited to get into this quiz. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So here we go. Uh, over to you, Rich. Do you want to awesome. start? Yes. So we have a couple of questions. Are you ready? I Ooh, am. Boy. Awesome. Let's go. What's your favorite writing spot? A. A cozy coffee shop, B, quiet library, C, anywhere with a few a view, or D, can, I can write anywhere. Mm, I definitely can't do D. I'm a B. I need quiet. I need structure. No way. I can write anywhere. Wow. I guess that's from writing my dissertation when my daughter was little. <laughs> I- you know, I'm a little envious of both of y'all because I tried to go to the library to write, but I don't know why it's kind of hard for me. So I guess, hmm, I guess anywhere with a view would—that's what I would be. I would be C anywhere with the view. Okay. Yeah. How about I do question two? Remember yeah. your answers: A, mm-hmm. B, or C. Question two: How do you tackle writer's block? A. I wait for inspiration to strike. B. I outline my ideas beforehand. C, I take a walk for fresh ideas. And D, writer's block. What's that? (laughs) You know, I'm going to go with B on this one as well, because I'm going to outline my ideas because there is such thing as a writer's block, and the only way to get through it is to fight through it. Hmm. I, on this one, strangely enough, am an A. 
I wait for inspiration to strike. And that comes from Dr. Bob. He was a, a professor of mine in uh, my doctorate. And he would always say, you have to percolate on ideas. And once you get the idea, you can write. And that's what I did with my last book. I literally wrote the book in 30 days. Wow. I'm definitely a C again. I take a lot <laughs> for fresh ideas. I'm just like, okay, I'm out. That's awesome. I'm the book down. My husband, Paul, was a big C he, when I did this quiz with him last night. <laughs> All right. Why don't you do the next question, Rich? What's your writing schedule like? A, I write when um, the mood strikes. B, I have a strict daily routine. C, I'm flexible, no set schedule. Or D, whenever I can find some time. Mm-hmm. Jeremy? I'm going to go with C on this, but it is a daily quota. Yeah, you're really, really good on the daily quotas. I need to copy that. Yeah, so I'm I'm a D. (laughs) 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 I'm such a D on this one. I am going to go with a C again. I'm pretty flexible, no set time. You know, no such schedule. <laughs> okay, here's a tough one. How do you handle criticism? A, I take it personally. B, I see it as an opportunity to improve. C, I brush it off. Not everyone will like my work. And D, I welcome constructive feedback. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a D here, but I was an A. And this is your mentoring, Dr. Mary, because uh, I remember my first one-star review and being devastated by it. And and, and your coaching has got to, taught me to embrace the negatives. Yep. That's all we can do. I used to, uh, just to help my daughter understand that the world isn't digital. I used to, I would show her the mean and evil comments on my Ted talks. (laughs) She actually got to the point where she began to laugh at them. And I said, you can't take them personally. Like, People aren't even using their real names or their real pictures. Some of them have a picture of, I don't know, like a flower or something. And you're like, really? I can't take you seriously when your name is Biddy Bobbity Boo or something. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely, when I was younger, took it as an A. Mm-hmm. And D, I definitely am a huge D now. Even looking at the online comments and um you know, I, I took voice coaching after some people uh, told me they didn't, you know, they didn't appreciate the tenor of my voice. So I thought, okay, let me go ahead and do that, change that. What about you, Rich? You know what? It's kind of, um, I would say like I'm a mix of A and B. Like the first, you know, initial, um, you know, if I get the criticism, I'll be like, ooh, okay. I'll take it a little personally, but then I'll be like, okay, I think I should work on that. I see it as an opportunity to improve. So I would lean more to a B, but I still kind of, I'm working on it. I'm working on it for sure. Try not to take things personally. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and last not, then we'll do this one quickly. What's your motivation for writing? A, to become famous. B, to share valuable insights. C, to express my creativity. And D, all of the above. (laughs) 
Is this is a trick question, right? It's got to be D, right? <laughs> it's got to be D. Every one of us secretly thinks in our soul that when we write something, it's like the best thing we've ever written. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the best part of writing, though. It's like every time you get to write, you get to write the best thing you've ever written. <laughs> love it. I love it. All right, Rich, why don't you categorize our answers? Yes. So if you are mostly A's, if you answer mostly A's, you have a creative spirit, but may need to work on discipline and resilience. Yeah. If you're mostly B's, you're on the right track with a structured approach to writing. If you're mostly C's, you value flexibility and creativity in your writing journey. And mostly D's, you're already on your way to becoming a best-selling author. I love that. <laughs> yeah, we're all best-selling authors. It was fun. Yeah. And we're going to take a little break right now. Rich, why don't you give people the number? Because I know there's probably a few questions that will be coming up for uh, Jeremy. And why don't we take another, just a, just collect our thoughts after that. Think about your future as a writer, even if you're using writing as writing therapy. Again, you're a writer. You can categorize yourself as a writer. And let's listen to a 30-second binaural beat. And when we come back, I have a bunch of questions for Jeremy. Um, Jeremy, in my book, Message Received, I referred to you as my work husband because I talk to you mm-hmm. almost every single day. And um, you are just so good at what you do. And, and you've received a remarkable success as, as a self-published and, and published author with a, a house, um, a publishing house. Can you share a little bit about your journey and what inspired you to start writing? Oh, that's such a great question. And it's not a simple answer. I, uh, I've always loved English and writing and I got into it by accident, uh, in university where I failed out of business in first year. And, and my criteria for continuing in that my university was I wanted classes that had no teaching assistants, no multiple choices, and no classes over 25 students. And by default, that put me into English. And so that's where I learned. To, that was the start of my writing journey, learning how to write and communicate. And then when I started in business, blogging and the and the Internet was a new thing in the early 2000s. And we were early adopters to that. So I started an email newsletter in 2005. And then it evolved into a blog and other pieces. And so each step has been incremental. But the choice to write a book was always a dream. And it's something I I wanted and something you encouraged me to do. But I always had these roadblocks in front of me saying, I need to have something to do that. I need to have so many Twitter followers. I need to have these kind of ideas or this kind of fame before I could write a book. 
And a friend of mine at one point said, you know, you've got a great idea. You've got an audience. You've got a discipline. Just do it. And I pitched my idea to a publisher and they accepted it. And that became Sticky Branding. And it was an instant bestseller. It was a number one bestseller in its first week of release. And that really taught me that waiting to, to write the book that's in, of your dreams is really a mistake. If you've got an idea now, go for it because you have a, a gift and an opportunity to bring it to the world. That's exactly what we've been saying, Jeremy. And I'm so grateful for you sharing that part about your journey. It's funny what early failure at school does for us. I myself was going to be a very famous neonatal researcher and uh, the boy I was dating was amazing because he helped me understand the chemistry and the science classes. And I felt really confident. And then we broke up. My, I broke up with him. Unfortunately, that was such a stupid move because then I failed. So that's when I went into drama. <laughs> that was really fun. Drama and education. But again, like that's part of the whole thing about writing about your failure, understanding, realizing, hey, I'm not really good at this and that's okay too. So, you know, many aspiring authors struggle with finding their unique voice and you have a very unique voice when you do public speaking, uh, when people hire you to run workshops for them, in your books, in your blogs, in your newsletters. How did you discover and develop this style? It evolved naturally, uh, and I think the way to find your voice is to write. It is to speak. It is to communicate, and the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. So when I write, that's the way I speak, and when I speak and write, there, there's a definite correlation between those two worlds, but mm -hmm. that discipline, it takes skill. It, it takes effort. It takes practice, and it, it just evolves over time, and so... A, you got to learn how to write. So there is absolute technical skill in this uh, in terms of grammar and structures and storytelling. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the more you do it, the more you learn these skills, and it just keeps getting better. One of the, the things that I learned a long time ago is the thing that you publish today is your best work that you're capable of. You may have a dream of something else, but you're not there yet. So when you look at – if I look back at previous writing and I cringe a little – it's really a mistake because that was the best I could do at that moment. And I've grown and evolved since then. So finding your voice is really the exercise of writing and speaking and communicating. If you are active on social media, if you're blogging, if you have an email newsletter, if you write your book, if you're journaling, these are all the things that will help you find your voice and it will naturally come to you. Wow. That's true. And you know, you can change your voice. Like my writing to date has been very scientific, very, um, very referenced, very much based in uh, the science of what I do. And I find myself drawn now to more storytelling writing. And I think that will be my next, my next exercise will be understanding how to tell a better story. Rich, I'm hogging. Do you want, do you have a question? Like, yeah, <laughs> what do you want I, to do? I love what both of you are saying about the about finding your unique voice and I didn't even know that it can change I thought you know once you found your voice that's it mm -hmm. that's what you keep going for but Jeremy I have a question for you actually your mm -hmm. book sticky branding and brand new name have been highly acclaimed 
and both are bestsellers. Can you tell us mm-hmm. about the key message and insights you wanted to convey to your readers through these books? Absolutely. The, so one of the things that's interesting, I think this goes back to the previous question of voice and, and, and being able to change your voice. Because part of that is knowing your audience and the intention of your content. When you have purpose, you will create the voice and the tone and the message that supports that. So in Sticky Branding, I really wanted to create a playbook. When I joined my family's business in 2004, I was a sales guy who had lost his competitive advantage. And I didn't know anything about branding, but I studied and I applied it. And I went through a journey, and that's what Sticky Branding, the book, holds on to, is that that experience, as well as a ton of research and stories from 150 other companies. But what the book was, was a branding playbook for small and mid-sized companies. And the person I was writing for was me in 2004. I, I kept asking myself, what is the playbook? What is the resource I needed when I went through that moment in time? And that's what's made this so successful is that a lot of other people relate to that type of an experience that they're going through a similar kind of journey of how do I make my brand stand out? How do I get my messaging right? How do I build a business that people will flock to? And it stood the test of time. Brand new name, on the other hand, was a very different goal. That one is how to create a brand name. How do you name anything, whether it's a product, a service, a company, an idea, your church, all of these types of things. So brand new name is a methodology. It's a proven step-by-step process to unlock the creative genius of a team to name a brand. And it is a graphically designed branding book. So 50% of the content is, is images and, and quotes and, and inspiration. And it almost reads like an adult children's book. It pulls you through it. So it's a very different experience. So each had its own intended audience, its own intended message, its own strategy. And that is, I think when you look at a book, it, you are crafting it to support a goal. And, and then writing all becomes part of that. Wow, I love that so much. You know what, I actually had a question, but I think you you honestly answered it. And my question was actually, um, as you kept writing uh, and you pointed out that you had a goal, my question was, does that change? Like, does your voice change as you write um, specifically for that target group or for oh. toward, as you head towards your goal? hundred percent. It is. So here's the thing that, that nobody realizes in this writing. When I wrote Sticky Branding, I rewrote some chapters nine times. I rewrote every single word in that book three times minimum, nine times at the, at the high end. Brand new name, same thing. I wrote the first draft, Mary talked about it earlier, of percolating on, a, on an idea. Well, I had a deadline. I had procrastinated for the better part of a year. And my publisher said to me, you've got to deliver this in three weeks or we're moving the pub date and the publication date. And I went, oh, my gosh. And I wrote the whole freaking first draft in three weeks. It was around this time in uh, 2017. And it was I skipped Christmas and New Year's and I just powered down and, and wrote the whole book in three weeks. But. I then had to rewrite the entire thing two more times and fully restructure the, the, what the, the first draft was 
and what the final book looked like are totally different books. So the the thing is, you uh, there's uh, uh, there's the idea of writing crappy first drafts, and I think that's a hundred percent true. You can't find your voice, you can't get the great message without doing the hard work of uncovering it. And so you have to be able to be humble enough to say, what I did wasn't very good. I need to do it again and again and again until you get something that is publishable. Well, and Hemingway said, um, writing is rewriting. Yes. Uh, 100%. That's so true. I mean, how many times do you write a book? You think it's awesome. And then somebody else reads it or your publisher or your editor reads it and you spend the next year rewriting the thing. And that happens. It's good. That's that's how something should evolve. And that's why we put in that question about criticism in the quiz, which is, you know, can you take the feedback? People aren't going to love what you do as much as you do. I mean, maybe your mom, but <laughs> like, that's about it. Um, well, my and, mom and will give me that critical feedback just as you do, Mary. Like my parents have read everything I've ever written. And they're one of my, the people that proof everything. And, and so having that is, is is key. And also, just as a quick recommendation, there's a wonderful book called Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, and it's my favorite book on writing. And so if anyone's listening and thinking, gosh, I really want to be doing this, it, it's great to just see, read what other writers say about writing. Uh, Stephen King has, has a book on it. Uh, these resources are all sources of inspiration, and you realize you're not alone. Your, your journey is very similar to other people's journeys. Bird by Bird? What an interesting name. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other book is The Artist's Way, which is a great book. Um, it, it, it really helps you focus and get creative and do all those wonderful things. I think I have one or two copies at home. I know I, one year I gave it to everybody I knew for Christmas. Um, Jeremy, you know, we were talking about publishing and you've done both. You've had a publishing house and you've self published. What are your thoughts on that? Like, it's pretty challenging. It's pretty scary. Um, give us like, give us the lowdown on self publishing and working with a publishing house. I think today, the barriers to entry to writing a brilliant book, and uh, and when I mean a brilliant book, something that you could have in hardcover, beautifully designed, well edited, constructed, all of that is accessible to everybody, and you can do it at a reasonable cost. You can do it even for free. Now, I would say you're not going to be able to get necessarily the design and the editing down uh, to yourself. There are going to be points where there are expenses, but largely the tools and platforms have made publishing accessible to everyone. So the need for a publisher today is really one of distribution, but that's if you already are relatively uh, famous, have a platform and need broader resources than you would on your own. So my suggestion in terms of self-publishing is my next book will be uh, published that way uh, where we use the tools to sell it on Amazon, have an audible book, have uh, have the e-book versions of it, and also available as print on demand. I think it's the most beautiful thing. Rather than having 
uh, a basement full of, of copies of your books, you can order and consume and purchase and distribute as many copies as you need as you need it. So there's, there's lots of really good support resources out there to support the self-publishing journey. I used a, a, a platform or a company called Page Two out of Vancouver who were absolutely wonderful. Uh, but there's many others out there to the point where you could go on to KDP, uh, which is uh, Amazon self-publishing platform, and just do it yourself. So why I say at the very top of this interview, if you've got it in you that you think you'd like to write a book, then write that manuscript because everything is there for you today to release this on Amazon and do this for very low cost and having something that you can put into other people's hands is the greatest gift of all. Uh, you know, I love that. And you answered my question. Is there going to be another book? Clearly, yes. If you want to give us a few hints, mm-hmm. that'd be great. Um, but uh, I, I do have a question and, and somebody just texted me quickly. And do you find it rewarding about like being a self-published author in the digital age? Isn't having a publisher more prestigious. There was a stigma around this for many years. So when I did my first book, I did the traditional publishing process. I ultimately bought my book back from the publisher and owned the rights for it um, because of I, I actually had a negative experience going through the traditional route, and many authors do. I don't believe the stigma of the logo on the spine on your book matters anymore. The, uh, the, that we are now consuming so much content. We are in an era where we are drowning in content, whether it's on uh, social media, Netflix, Disney plus Amazon, anywhere else. Like you've got so much of it. And we're also consuming content in multiple different ways. So we can get it on uh, a digital reader like uh, an iPad or a Kindle. We could be listening to Audible. And you don't know where that book came from. So the fact that it doesn't have uh, a Wiley or a Penguin on the spine doesn't matter. So I think today the relevance of the, the publishing world, there's a very clear place for them. And we absolutely need them. But for the average author, that brand value isn't going to be significant. The first goal is to create and publish books and serve your audience. There's a wonderful blog post that's been around for many years called A Thousand True Fans. If you can get a thousand readers to read your book and get true value from it, that would be the best accomplishment you could have for your first book. I love that. A thousand true fans. I I agree that that is, you know, even for your second, third, fourth, fifth book, if you have, if you have that many people liking what you write, I think it's awesome. Um, Jeremy, I think this has been amazing, but one of the things we have not talked about, and I see we only have nine minutes left. And so I'd like to delve into this a little bit is you're also a coach and you help people like your books are incredibly designed as a teaching resource, not only entertaining and funny, but we can follow step by step by step. So let's, let's just say that, um, 
you know, I, I got, I have three texts that say, so what are the steps in starting this journey? And, uh, why don't we, why don't you let us know? Like Jeremy, what, what are some coaching tips you have for people out there? How can people get in touch with you and how can you help other writers and other business writers? Because you did write your book, um, to help grow your business. Maybe we should talk about that before we go into the coaching tips. But how did it help your business? Because I know a lot of people are driving right now, probably around Lake Michigan, and they're thinking, hey, I could probably write a book. Did it help your business? All right, you got a lot of questions there. Let's try to one first. <laughs> so what did, the, what did Sticky Branding, my first book, do for my 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 business in a word it was transformational i remember again so that that book was published on january i believe it was january 8th or january 10th of 2015 so nine years ago and i remember just before christmas time lamenting to a friend and going I can't believe what I've done here. I've literally bet the farm. I've spent the better part of a year not working, just writing this book, and I had stretched my finances to the max, and and I felt like my entire business and life was resting on this uh, 60,000-word book. And and she had written a book, too, and, had, and said she had gone through a similar experience. And her mom said, I know that people in your world seem to write a lot of books, but in the real world, that doesn't happen very often, and this is a really special thing. And and she was 100% right that it is something unique and special. And what the book meant for me specifically was it transformed everything. It transformed my speaking business. I went from being an amateur speaker who sometimes was paid to speak to being a professional speaker. It essentially gave me a ticket on stage. And I went that first year and I gave 30 paid uh, keynote speeches. And it's just been an ongoing journey since. Uh, the book has continued to do very well. And we have people that contact us almost on a weekly basis looking for our services and expertise because the book resonated with them. They learned something and they want to take it a step further. They, they call and they say, we want to grow a sticky brand. Can you help? And And so... Taking that act to put your ideas down into a, a, a book is truly a way of codifying your ideas and your expertise, and it gives you credibility. It's one of the best marketing and brand building tools that you can do. It's probably not a money maker, but it is a credibility maker. And that's really why I think it's such a powerful exercise. But it's an incredibly difficult exercise. And this goes to that other part of your question, Dr. Mary, which is what are the coaching tips for aspiring authors? And what I can say is each one of my books have been the hardest things that I have done. They have taken so much effort and so much care and, and they've required sacrifices of myself and my family. They, they have, because they become all consuming. Mm -hmm. And so if you choose to go down this journey, I think the first thing is being really clear on your why. Why do you want to write this book? 
Why does it matter? Why do you want to put this effort in there? And if you don't even sell one copy of it, will you still do this and be satisfied with the output? If you get clear with the why, that will give you the compass to help you navigate through those dark moments where you're just like, why am I doing this thing? Mm -hmm. The second part of this, though, is submit to the process. What I've learned from two books is to set a, a project plan with a clear deadline and a clear writing date. So we talked about earlier branding name, having three weeks to write that first draft. That, I think, is really clear. The longer the time frame is, the more time you'll take. So if you say, I've got six months to do this, commit to it, put your structure down, and then do it that it's hard work. It's probably going to take you four to five hours a day. It's going to take time to write a thousand words a day. These writing quotas are things that I've learned over time that I think is so important that you need to have a project plan, you need to have a discipline, and you need to do the work. It's like being a construction worker. You put on your hard hat, you tie on your, your boots, and you go to work. Writing a book is the same thing. Go to work and then do it. And then taking the the term from Anne Lamott and Bird by Bird, be okay with crappy first drafts. Do the work, (laughs) produce the best you can, get it, your editor feedback, be humble, it's going to hurt, and then do it again, do it again, do it again. And eventually you will have that that book, that thing that is done to the best of your abilities in that moment in time, and that is precious. So it's a process. So it sounds like you're saying set clear goals, consistency. I love the construction worker analogy because that's literally what it feels like. Sometimes you're building something Um, bird by bird. I I really have to look at that book because, yeah, it is going to be a crappy first draft. That's just the way the world works. One of the things I also find helpful, and, and I think this is special about our relationship, is we send each other stuff. And we get feedback even on the crappy first draft. And we're okay with our bestie saying, yeah, it's crap, but who cares? I'm really liking the insight I'm gaining from it. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if you would agree with that, but I think everybody should do that to a, with a fellow writer. I mean, Stephen King's wife saved his book from the trash and sent it in. We never would have had Stephen King if it wasn't for his wife. And then, you know, celebrate that you did it. I, I did not celebrate. And so I, I regret that. I feel like I should have celebrated. And COVID definitely affected my last book and I didn't want to write. So I wish everybody good writing out there. I know it's time for us to wrap up. Jeremy, you're an awesome guest. Will you come back? Oh, 100%. Thank you so much for having right. me. Have a great Thank week, you, everybody. Jeremy. Be well. Uh, Thanks, Richie. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Year. Bye. The preceding program, Chicago's Weekend Wake-Up Call, was sponsored by the Digital Wellness Center and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of NewsWeb Radio Company or its management.